Non-Monogamy Help is a podcast where your questions about open, non-monogamous or polyamorous relationships are answered. Our host, Lola Phoenix, will consult a licensed therapist with over a decade of experience to address your problems. Names and locations have been changed or censored to keep your questions anonymous. You're listening to Non-Monogamy Help, the podcast. Welcome to episode 61 of the Non-Monogamy Help podcast. I'm Lola Phoenix. Please send your questions to nonmonogamyhelp at gmail.com and they'll either be read in the podcast or the column anonymously. If you would like to read the columns and the podcast, you can go to nonmonogamyhelp.com. Subscribe to the email newsletter by going to go.nonmonogamyhelp.com forward slash email. Fun. And follow us on Twitter at nonmonogamyhelp. If you want to be an amazing human being, you can support the podcast and the columns by giving me $1 a month through Patreon. That is really, really helpful. It just supports the cost of doing things and it's just like a general you're doing a good job thing, which I really appreciate. And you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash Lola Phoenix. You donate $5 or more a month, your name, with your permission, of course, will be read at the end of the podcast. And I will get your permission before I read it. I'm not just going to like all of a sudden read it because I feel like that might be jarring. So I will get your consent. Anyway, let's get to this week's discussion question. If this is the first time you're listening to one of the podcasts every week before I read the letter, I put forth the discussion question that you can use with your friends, partners, metamors, anyone you want to get to know them a little bit more. I also answer it myself briefly to give you a little bit of context. This week's discussion question is, if I knew I couldn't fail in my professional life, I would like to try to... I like this question, even though it's professional, you could switch it around to say romantic life if you wanted it to be more of a relationship-based question, but I think, so this is quite weird for me because I'm not like a career-driven person. I, If I knew I couldn't fail in terms of what I want to do, like I would just pitch my book to every, every single agent that I really, really wanted. I do that anyway, though. Like I, I don't, I try to make sure that my queries and like all the stuff we're writing is like the best it can be. But I do, I do that anyway. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't really fear too much of failing in that because I'm, I already don't have a agent. So, you know, there is only so much <laughs> that I can do. I guess I would be, I'd be a little bit more freer to send out as many queries as possible because I wouldn't worry about an agent getting pissed off at me and never liking me and then like blackballing me. I don't, I don't know if that, oh, that's not a nice word, I guess. I don't know. I don't think that would happen anyway, but uh, agents seem like pretty cool people in general. Um, but yeah, I guess that's what I'd do. I'd send my queries out all mistyped and shit, and I guess if I couldn't fail, then it wouldn't matter. Ding, ding. I don't know if that means you would succeed, though. Okay, I'm, I'm breaking the question down too much. That is the discussion question. Let me just read it one more time. If I knew I couldn't fail in my professional life, I would try to. Awesome. Let's get to this week's letter. My first relationship with polyamory, I was 19 years old and very inexperienced. During that first relationship, I was emotionally and sexually abused. I was in that relationship for four years, and it has been over for quite a while. I'm in a very healthy relationship now, and we have slowly been working up to polyamory. At first, I was excited about starting it and trying it out in a healthy setting, but I started to notice that I get triggered when my primary goes out with someone. I want to be clear that I do not have an issue with him and someone else, but when I have to face the fact that we are in a polyamorous relationship, 
Head-on, I start having a lot of flashbacks and feelings of fear. I become very afraid of losing my autonomy again, and I get stuck in the depressive mindset I was in when I was in that abusive relationship. My primary is very patient and does whatever he can to help. We maintain a complete transparency in our communication and try to work through any issues that come up, but he is not a mental health professional, and I understand his ability to help with this is limited. I have a therapist I go to, and what's always gotten me through things most is exposure therapy, which is very difficult, especially with this. When he's out with someone, I don't want to interrupt them. I think it would be unfair for his partner if if he was focusing a lot of attention on me while they were together. I also don't want to burden a fun night with all of the emotional pain I'm going through, when there isn't much he could do short of coming home to physically be with me. I would actually feel worse if he did that, since I would be to blame for ruining a nice night. I try to distract myself with friends or really anything, but nothing seems to help. I also don't like the idea of going back to monogamy for a lot of reasons. I like how open the communication is now because we both know if we slack in that area, things fall apart, so it really forces us to be conscious of our feelings and how we communicate them. While I tried to act on, poly on polyamory for myself at first, I soon realized I personally am not in a mental state where I can pursue something between my PTSD and a very busy schedule. I would like to have good experiences with polyamory. I see a lot of value in it, but my past haunts me. I also hate the idea that I cannot enjoy something because of my ex. It feels like he is still holding power over me, and that idea makes me feel sick to my stomach. I have been slowly going through these feelings and understanding them, which helps me move past it, but it is a slow and incredibly painful process. You also sent a second letter with some additional details that I won't read aloud here, but there is an issue with the previous relationship in that it was also polyam, but involved a what's called a one-penis policy. For people who don't know what that is, it basically means generally a relationship between a man and a woman and where the woman is not allowed to date anyone with a penis. Usually it's not allowed to date other men. And it also involved kink. And you also did have a previous freak out. Well, I wouldn't say freak out. You did have a previous upset period that caused him to back your current partner to back out of a current relationship. So yeah. Before we get to this week's answer, I'm going to quickly plug this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp. Quite often in a lot of my columns and podcasts, I encourage people to seek a polyamory-friendly therapist. For a lot of people looking locally for a therapist that might be supportive of polyamory is impossible or out of their budget. The good thing about BetterHelp is that you can find a therapist online that you can send messages to at any time of day, and they do offer some financial aid for people who might be struggling to pay. You can also get 10% off of your first month by using the promo code NOMINOGAMYHELP or going to betterhelp.com forward slash NOMINOGAMYHELP. So the first thing that I want to say to you here is that even if you hadn't been through that previous abusive relationship, you might still feel this way. Your fears are very rational, and I feel like I know for myself, being a person that has had problems like this, I haven't been through that kind of abusive relationship that you described, but I have felt those fears, and I have felt that intensity of emotional pain, and I know kind of what it's like when nothing can distract you, when you just feel so much fear and it feels like a lot and there, it feels like there's nothing that you can do. And when you have anxiety and when you have mental health struggles, it can often feel like you're being irrational. And that's kind of like the thing that I want to fight back when everyone says that about themselves and also about other people is that, oh, it's irrational. I'm being irrational. I'm being irrational. 
Anxiety typically is a rational response to a previous environment that you've been in. And that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's your brain trying to survive. A lot of my anxieties are health related. And when I've talked to my therapist about it and I said, you know, I just, I, I will feel like literally like I can't breathe. Something's closing around my throat, things like that. And I'll just fear the worst. Like, and, and my GP will probably tell you how many times I've called him and been like, what is this weird physical thing that's happening to me? And my therapist said, you're rationally looking for the reason why you are so anxious. You are feeling a huge amount of anxiety. And so your brain is going, well, if I feel this anxious, then there must be something really, really wrong. So that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that the first step for dealing with the intensity of these feelings is a little bit of self-compassion, a lot of compassion actually, but give yourself a little bit of compassion here and, and that you're not being irrational. Nothing about what you're afraid of is silly. <laughs> Nothing about what you're being afraid of is out, out, of, out of touch. And it, it can be so hard because I know that when you have these feelings you think, why do I not believe my partner loves me and will stay with me? Do I not trust them? And I, I, the, all the things that you said about, I don't want to ruin that night. I would feel worse if he came home because then I would have ruined it. I, I can't tell you how much I relate to that. And I haven't even gone through what you've gone through. And what you've gone through, especially the details that you told me, you have literally every reason to be afraid of losing your autonomy this is directly especially if that was your first polyamorous experience you're going to be directly triggered by this because the first experience that you had was so bad and that makes total sense and by the way this isn't your ex having power over you at all this is you actually having power and that your brain is trying to help you survive your brain is saying ah wait a minute we've been through this before no 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 don't think so this is bad get out and that is frustrating and that is difficult but that is that is your brain trying to help you and that is one thing that helps in trying to address the situation i wrote a lot about this and i don't know if you've checked it out yet i wrote an article called 13 thing 13 mistakes people make when they are trying polyamory that goes through about how to identify your anchor about how to hold on to that when you do have these experiences there are options like you can be fully on, honest with your metamor about this situation and i think that you know it depends on on how they feel about the situation but i know that if i was dating someone they were like look i i have this other partner you know and it doesn't have to be full honesty like you don't have to even give them the details you gave me but even you know if i were your primary and if that's how you want to do things and make sure that you explain that to someone but if i were your partner and I was going on a date I would probably say to them I have a partner right now who this is their second experience of polyamory their first experience was extremely abusive they are going to really struggle while I'm out could I take about five minutes you know just to call and check on them I don't think that that's too much to ask and I don't think that that is going to suck the fun out of the night I, d I don't want to compare it like this is this is kind of a little bit of a bad comparison but for the sake of of helping to understand it if you were their kid and i know that that's not great but like you know if they were a parent if they were somebody or even if, if they had someone they were caring for like an older relative it wouldn't be out 
of touch or it wouldn't be bad or it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be unreasonable for them in a date or in a night out to say I just need five minutes to call and check on somebody that is okay that's not a bad thing if that sucks the fun out of their night completely I'd be a little bit worried about your partner and and their boundaries but it doesn't sound like that's the case with your primary it sounds like they fully you know you already had an issue where and that you know there was you had a lot of emotional pain and you know they backed away I can understand why they did that I think that that kind of in a way kind of works against the situation. I'm not trying to say anything bad about your primary. I'm not trying to say anything bad about you. But sometimes the only way to get through this emotional pain and get through this anxiety, I mean, you know it if you've had exposure therapy, you have to sit through it. You have to sit through those nights and you have to see your partner come back to you and know that you can trust them and know that it's safe. And it is like exposure therapy because you are going to have to the first couple of nights that the partner that I have and that lives with me, the first couple of nights, they didn't even go on a date. They didn't even, they literally just went to a party, not even a date with anybody else. But the first couple of nights they spent out of the house and they weren't even staying out all night. I, I couldn't sleep. I was an emotional wreck. And, and I had that same reaction in other relationships that I've been in. And over time, as we've established trust and established a connection, I'm less worried now. I can sleep fine. I'm happy to have the whole bed to myself now. It's no problem. But those first couple of nights were really, really hard because I, I had a very understandable fear that they were going to leave. And I didn't even go through what you went through. So not only do you have that understandable fear from the society that's around you that says, hey, the best, you know, the truest love is, you know, exclusive romantic love, yada, yada. You have all of that on top of you as well. So it's going to be hard for you to just snap out of it. Like, you're not going to snap out of it. And then on top of that, you have this previous relationship that you have, which was really horrible and and sounded incredibly abusive and put you in a lot of really uncomfortable situations. And I think that it makes total and complete sense for you to be afraid. So don't beat yourself up too much about that. I do think you have to sit through the pain. And, and a little bit and you know you can try to distract yourself like that has honestly helped me sometimes one weekend I think that my partner was at like a weekend long convention or something I went to Sweden to visit my friend that was helpful I still felt a little bit shit but like that was much more helpful than sitting at home all by myself so it does help to do stuff like that and don't expect yourself to feel a hundred percent happy but it will distract you a little bit but you do just have to over time learn that you can trust again learn that you're safe again it's going to take a long time for your nervous system basically to get back to a calm state just because you've been through a lot of really horrible things like give yourself a little bit of credit i think when it comes to meeting your metamor and meeting the person that he's interested in i completely understand your hesitance to do so I think that one thing is important that's important to remember here when it comes to both meeting your metamor and when it comes to you know, feeling all this fear. What's helped me, and I wrote a little bit about it in the um, the article that I mentioned, which I do think you should check out, but what really helps me is to absolutely face my fear in terms of how much control I have of the situation. And this is something that has helped me generally with my anxiety. It doesn't mean that my anxiety goes completely away, but sometimes it has been something that has really, really helped me. And the, f the, the fact of the matter is, is that there is only so much that I can control in these situations.
if my partner decides that they don't like me anymore, falls out of love with me, I can't control that situation. I think in the past, because of the things that I have been through, I have felt like, you know, I've been in a lot of really bad situations and part of my brain that helps me survive has taught me, oh, if we do X, Y, and Z, then we can control the situation. A lot of people who have been through trauma have that feeling and that is because it's a lot better in the moment for you than total helplessness. Total helplessness and feeling that, well, there's nothing I can do, I, especially if you've been through, if you have CTPSD and, or CPTSD and you've been in a situation where you literally can't stop, you know, what's happening on a continuous basis and it sounds like that might have been the situation that you're in, but you, you think, oh, if I just do things better. And it's the same kind of philosophy behind victim blaming. It's the same kind of philosophy behind, oh, if I just don't wear this skirt, if I don't wear this thing, then I won't be attacked. It's a, it's a philosophy that helps us deal with being in under constant duress because it's way more empowering than just going, well, there's absolutely nothing I can do. That is disempowering in the moment that doesn't feel good. And in the moment that can be really, really hard to mentally cope with. The problem with that is that in that time it served us, in the, in the time when I was under a lot more duress and a lot more threat and danger and harm, it served me to believe that I could control the situation if I did X, Y, and Z. It distracted me from the harm, it distracted me from a lot of things, but now that I'm not in that situation, what this actually tells me is that all of the things that I have experienced are my fault because I didn't do X, Y, Z. And that's the problem with this mindset is that when you believe that you can control whether or not your metamor likes you, whether or not your partner loves you, all the sorts of things, later on down the line, you are going to be in this constant vigilance state where you are looking out for anything that you can do wrong, looking out for any mistake that you can make and you're unable to enjoy actual facets of life. And that's what anxiety is. It's like the constant worry that somehow I'm going to make the wrong decision and that will ultimately cost me the situation. Now, obviously you can be a total jerk. You can insult your metamor, you can insult your partner and they're less likely to want to be around you if you're a jerk, but there is only so much that you can do to control whether or not they are, are in love with you. If your partner is the type of person to meet someone else and chuck you out the window, you can't control that by being a good partner. You can't. And the problem with this whole philosophy that's going on in your brain is that I see it illustrated and when you say you're frustrated because it feels like your ex still has control of you. So it's like you feel like, you know, that you can stop this if you do X, Y, and Z. And it's not to say that you should go into total helplessness, because I think that's also sometimes a response, but it's to accept what you can and you can't control. Because once you do that, the burden that you face, like a lot of this distress and, and that you're going through is, this is a dangerous situation, I need to get out. It's a fight-flight nervous system response. And it can be hard to transition to a calmer state because you think you have control over the situation. If he comes home, then you will have solved that situation. And in the process, the emotional pain, I think, also comes from, it blames you. It puts so much weight on your shoulders to prevent something from happening to you. And that causes a huge amount of pain. In the past, and, and now, when I'm trying to face my fears, 
and I'm not saying I don't get anxiety because I still I still get it like I still get it I still worry but it helps me to go how much of this can I actually control what can I do right now in the moment that is going to change even the worst outcome that I think will happen so if I'm sitting up at night and I think oh my god I have a pain somewhere this must be something terrible wrong with my health yeah I'll still be anxious about it but the constant kind of push to have an obsessive reaction obsessive compulsive reaction which I have had in the past to stop the compulsion reaction you know I could go up I could sit up all night looking on WebMD I could you know I don't do that because I go okay if there is something truly terribly wrong with my health how much can I actually control about it in this situation you're still gonna feel like shit like I would just prepare for that like batten down the hatches you're gonna feel like shit but recognizing how much you can control over the situation can remove the burden from your shoulders to be to, uh, being so constantly vigilant to find some sign that your partner is leaving something you're doing wrong some little mistake that because yeah we all fuck up we all make mistakes and like it's not to say that you can't make a mistake that really you know messes up your partner but you need to have a reckoning that this constant vigilance over that isn't necessarily going to prevent you from making a mistake so that's been something that's really really helped me other things that have helped me during these times like I honestly used to write love letters to my partner when they were out with other people or at parties or at things where I was just feeling anxiety I would try and focus on that that was one of my anchors in addition to wanting to be in a polyamorous, polyamorous relationship myself and wanting that freedom another one of my anchors was thinking about all the positive stuff that we had together and and just gratitude being grateful for some of the things that we shared being grateful for some of the ways that they were able to understand my anxiety that also really really helped me you should still expect to feel a little bit shit but being a little bit more grounded in the situation by focusing on you know what can I control about this over time will really really help you and there's a little it's explained a little bit better in my th in my 13 things people or 13 mistakes people make when people look I can't even say it right it's it's on nonmonogamyhelp.com if you scroll all the way down but check it out that will that will help you learn how to find an anchor learn how to hold on to it and also be a little bit more compassionate with yourself it's really hard when a lot of uh, the biggest problem I have with a lot of intro to polyamory stuff and just all of the things is that it just makes it seem like you should just become a Vulcan and just have no emotion and that if you have any emotion then there's something wrong with you and having any feeling but love and happiness and compersion for what your partner's doing means that you're a terrible jealous controlling wench like it's very dichotomous it's not really helpful but read that I definitely think you should check out the work of Clementine Morrigan Clementine writes a lot about um, trauma and and polyamory in fact I think Clementine has a workshop about it and I've really appreciated reading um, what they write and a lot of things they talk about the nervous system response uh, they have an Instagram which you can check out they also have a patreon I definitely think you should check out like go to their Instagram and just read through a lot of things that they have I, I I don't have their patreon so I but there must be more things there on trauma and polyamory that's super helpful and I think that would also be that would also really really help you I think you might want to also think about working out some agreements with your therapist about uh, boundaries about texting out of hours or things like that because um, I've never had a therapist that allowed me to text them out of hours I have had partners who have had therapists that allowed that you know when your partner's going to be having a date and you can 
plan to have your therapist just say, can I text you during these times just to, in case I'm going through a lot and I need someone. And reach out to your friends. If Hopefully you have friends who are polyamory friendly. And have them, you know, they should be there for you too. They should be there to help you. So reach out to them. But yeah, that is basically my advice in this situation to kind of sum up please be kind to yourself your feelings are very rational you've gone through a lot and understandably you wish you didn't have to feel all these feelings you you said it yourself in your letter about you know how you're kind of didn't feel it for a while and now you're kind of being forced to reckon with some of that it's triggering a lot this you know kind of trying another polyamorous relationship is triggering a lot for you and that makes total sense be a little bit kinder to yourself like allow you know you're allowed to fuck up you're allowed to make mistakes you're not a terrible person and you're not a horrible person feeling all this you're not irrational try and remember all that i think that there are things that you can do with your partner to help you feel a little bit grounded right writing love letters or gratitude letters to them seeing if they can take five minutes out of their date night to give you a call one thing that i still like my partner to do is even if we're away i like i'd like for them to say good night to me that's a nice thing that I, I just like if they're really busy and they you know are out partying or whatever and can't then that's fine but it's something that I like and I think Ashley Clementine Morgan literally has a post on Instagram just a few days ago about needs and requests like that which is really great to check out but think about things that your partner can do one call to you for five minutes isn't going to ruin their night and I, it really shouldn't I think that you should also remember that your ex does not hold power over you. This is not your ex still controlling you. This is a trauma response to what you've been through. And this is your brain trying to help you. And then also again, to remind you, one good thing is just to face those fears, recognize what you can and can't control. Check out that article that I mentioned that is on nonmonogamyhelp.com. Check those things out to figure out like what your anchors are and how you can deal with that and cope with that last but not least it's just what you you know you're gonna have to sit through some of the pain and you're gonna have to go through some of the difficulties and see that your partner's still there for you in order to basically learn slowly that you can still trust in this situation and give yourself a little bit of kindness and compassion around that see if your therapist is available for you to text reach out to your friends yeah all of that i hope that helps and good luck Thank you for listening to episode 61 of the Non-Monogamy Help podcast. If you want to be amazing, you can donate to our Patreon. Donating $5 or more a month means your name with your permission. We'll be right at the end of the podcast. This week's current patrons are Laura Boylan, Chris Aubrey-Jones, Juke Kia, and James Wartell. If for whatever reason you can't become a patron because life happens and I get it, then if you can take five minutes and log into iTunes, find the podcast, rate, and review it, that would be super, super helpful. It helps me get the podcast out there to new people. And if you don't want to write a review, because I understand it, you know, what do you write, blah, 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 um, you can just do a rating. That's absolutely fine. If you have five minutes, please do that. You can probably check out the Twitter feed to find that link. Um, but actually, I will. I think I should make a Patreon post. Hopefully by the time this comes out, I will have made a Patreon post. And you can go to my Patreon and check it out. I actually should do it. I don't know. I'll do a post somewhere and I will tell you. Please leave me a review if you can. Alright, that's all for this week. You'll get a new column next Friday and another podcast episode in a fortnight. Thank you again for listening.
You've been listening to Non-Monogamy Help. Our podcast music has been provided by Chris Albury-Jones at albury-jones.com. And the art was made by Dom Jung at d-o-m-d-u-o-n-g.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>